Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Corey picking some great music. Believe it or not, you've played two songs that were on the playlist on the drive back from Blacksburg overnight. Bangers only on a Sunday morning. That's right. That's right. Corey Griswold. In at producer, thank you so much, Corey, for coming in two hours early. Also greatly appreciated. Joe Beamer here on Hardline, hour number two. Uh, thank you for spending part of your game day morning with us. Kickoff is at 105, so you have plenty of time to get the updates that you need before kickoff. Let's go down to D.C., who I think is still kind of buzzed on the World Series victory, Mr. Dave Leventhal joins us. Dave, good morning. Hey, Joe. Great to be with you. Dave, uh, before politics, what do you think of this Bills game today? Hey, the, the, the notion of the Bills going 7-2 and two potentially even a few months ago would have seemed patently ludicrous. So uh, here we are, 6-2. and two. I'm, I'm really hoping that we're just not only going to beat the Browns, but really beat up on the Browns, and that we're going to be putting ourselves in a position that, again, would have been pretty unthinkable to uh, even the most uh, ardent, hardened members of the Bills Mafia, which I am proud to consider myself a part of. And it would be nice to have a convincing win uh, because the Bills can't pick their schedule, you know, and everyone's attacking their schedule. It would be nice just to have that convincing, you know, three or four touchdown win on the road to maybe quiet some of the doubters. It would, uh, but but to uh, echo some of the sentiments of uh, certain defensive backs on the Buffalo Bills, I, I, let's not apologize for wins. You know, the Bills were two and six at this time a year ago. They're six and two now. So, hey, look, we've been suffering through you know two decades of uh, just underperformance and the most uh, masterful uh, of ways. Uh, and uh, so, let's enjoy this and, and let's see what we can do against teams that got to show up every week and got to play football. And anyone can beat anyone, as we've seen. Time and again, the, the Browns, uh, they beat the, the Ravens uh, earlier uh, this year. And, of course, the Ravens just beat the Patriots. So any given Sunday, as the old adage goes, any team can win. That's right, Dave. Now, uh, before we get to impeachment talk, which I think is going to dominate political talk this week, uh, we just had uh, legislator Kevin Hardwick in studio. And last year, or the beginning of this year, he made the switch from Democrat. I'm sorry, from Republican to Democrat. Uh, two things: how weird is that, uh, or rare is that, with the political landscape of 2019? And then, have there been any cases of that during the era of Trump in the last three years? Sure. So, you know, it's. In overall, when you look at the country, most Republicans are going to remain Republicans and half. Uh, most Democrats will remain Democrats and half. But you have, uh, you know, examples peppered throughout recent history of uh, prominent po- politicians and not so prominent politicians of sometimes switching parties, switching allegiances. I mean, remember that the current president of the United States, uh, a man by the name of President Donald Trump, he was pursuing the Reform Party 
presidential nomination back two decades two decades ago, and has kind of you know uh, changed his allegiances to one or another or none at all over the course of his decades-long business career. So. Donald Trump being uh, the face of the Republican Party is a relatively new thing. Elizabeth Warren, uh, one of the leaders of the Democratic uh, presidential uh, campaign, she was a Republican at one time. Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York City, who may get into the race as soon as Monday or Tuesday, he's been a Republican, a Democrat, an independent. Michael Bloomberg's been all over the spectrum. And, hey, Ronald Reagan, he was a Democrat before he was a Republican. So people do switch political parties. It's just not something that when you look at all politicians, is a relatively common thing. It's just not. I'm glad you brought up Michael Bloomberg. That's the next question, Dave. Uh, So a lot of rumors, he's going to enter the race. What is the likelihood that he could compete with frontrunners Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren getting into the Democrat race this late? So it is very late. uh, And it's almost certain that he's going to have to just uh, more or less pass by some of the early primary and caucus states. And we're talking about Iowa. We're talking about New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. He has no political infrastructure to speak of. He has nobody on the ground. He's going to be coming in brand new in a field that has more than 16 people uh, at this point still, too, and going against people like Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and upstarts like Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who are right now one, two, three, and four in the polls. So the notion that he's going to come in and suddenly have 20 percentage points on the Democratic side ain't going to happen. Uh, So really his only play, Joe, is to focus on some of the later states, some of the Super Tuesday states that have a lot of delegates up at stake, and that includes Texas, and it includes California, and make the case that the leaders at that point are just simply not viable in terms of being able to to be a true competitor with Donald Trump and that he, Michael Bloomberg, is going to be somebody who can go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump in the general election. Uh, It's far-fetched, and it's something that that would be unprecedented in modern political history. But, hey, lots of things are unprecedented in modern political history, not the least of which is the election of Donald Trump in 2016. And, hey, he's the president of the United States, so... Everyone kind of thinks that uh, they they can be the first new thing going out there, including Michael Bloomberg. Do you know if he was pushed by a group of people to get into the race, or was this a Michael Bloomberg decision 100%? Michael Bloomberg's been flirting with running for the presidency for a while now, pretty much ever since he uh, left the mayoralship of New York City back earlier this decade, and one that he extended and fought to have more than two terms, uh, if you do remember. So uh, it, it, this is probably the vast majority Michael Bloomberg, and he, of course, uh, earlier this year said he wasn't going to run for the presidency, so he has changed his mind, like another billionaire in the race, Tom Steyer, who is running as a Democrat, is really kind of nowhere in the polls at this point, but he said he wasn't going to run, change course, change his mind, and is running too, so we'll have Two potentially, or potentially we will have two billionaire candidates on the Democratic side, which paints a really massive contrast with people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who've really kind of made a cornerstone of their campaign fighting against billionaires. In fact, uh, <laughs> going so far as to say that the, yeah, in some cases that there shouldn't be billionaires and that at the very least billionaires should be taxed a lot more than they are. So going to be very, very curious if Michael Bloomberg gets in to see how the race is going to change. But at least initially, again, I don't believe that he's going to immediately bolt himself up to 
the top of the conversation here. He'll be in the mix, but he won't be in the mix still in the way that Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren are. Great lead in, Dave. Tom Steyer, he's been running those impeachment ads on YouTube. So why not get into impeachment inquiry going public on Wednesday? What should we expect Wednesday morning from the impeachment inquiry? You should expect everything that we've been getting for the past many weeks, but it, it's such a heightened level that uh, it, it'll make your hair stand on end. You know, up to this point, Joe, really what we've been hearing about the impeachment inquiry, this process of congressional committee hearings and testimony, is, is what we're getting from transcripts of conversations, what we're getting from commentary from members of Congress, both on the Democratic and the Republican side, talking about what they've been hearing, and, and also news reports from Capitol Hill reporters who've been climbing all over Capitol Hill trying to get any last shred of information, any shred of information that they possibly can about what is going on, oftentimes behind closed doors. So much of that is going to be thrown out into the public domain at this point. We're going to be able to watch it on television. You're going to be able to watch it on your phone. You're going to be listening to it on the radio. And as a result, uh, what has been kind of this very opaque process is, is no longer going to be nearly such an opaque process, and people will be able to decide for themselves that they haven't already made up their mind. And mind you, lots of people have already made up their mind as, as to what they should believe about this. Uh, the big question, I think, uh, is how many people's minds are still open at this point, Joe. Uh, a lot of people just simply think that this is a sham process, uh, which is the case that many Republicans have been making, and this is, this is a witch hunt. This is presidential harassment, as Donald Trump himself likes to tweet, and that nothing about this is going to be legitimate. On the other side, you're going to have people who just simply think that Donald Trump is, uh, is somebody who should be impeached, uh, that Donald Trump has taken actions that are impeachable, and therefore nothing is going to change their mind that Donald Trump is uh, not uh, not guilty of high crimes, misdemeanors, or anything else that would be tantamount to impeaching a president of the United States. So it's a pretty, you know, I would say relatively narrow group of people who are just like, eh, I'm not sure if Donald Trump is in the right or the wrong here. I'm going to keep my mind open, listen to this stuff, and make up my mind going forward <clears throat> after that. Probably not, not so many. Now, they've released certain transcripts of the non-public hearings. Will those witnesses now be called back for the public uh, hearing? Uh, possible, and it's unclear as exactly what the Democrats are going to do procedurally. Um, <clears throat> I think one thing that, that's important to note is that most of what the Democrats have been doing at this point has been actually quite narrow. And uh, really the case that the Democrats, from Nancy Pelosi on down, are trying to make here is not what Donald Trump has done with his business empire or what Donald Trump is doing or saying necessarily in the White House outside of uh, the Ukraine situation, not what Donald Trump did in 2016. You don't even hear much about the Mueller report anymore. Really what it comes down to is the Democrats, and you're going to hear a lot of this from them, is that they feel that President Trump has used his presidential power to get a foreign government to improperly investigate or, or even attack a political foe, Joe Biden. And, and the Republicans is going to be very curious, so keep an eye on this, as to what their approach is going to be, because it's been really, really scattershot. I mean, you've had Republicans arguing that Trump even did anything wrong, and some are saying, well, he may have done something that was bad in, in terms of trying to get the Ukraine to go and investigate Joe Biden, but that's not impeachable. And then you've had a lot of attacks on various witnesses. And, and then, of course, just 
saying straight out that this is a rigged process. This is a witch hunt, and, and there's really no legitimacy to what the Democrats are doing because many Republicans feel this is just so violently politically motivated that you, you can't really judge this as something that is a fair process, uh, in their opinion. So there's going to be a lot of fighting, not over the material issue of what Donald Trump did or did not do, but over the process itself. And, and that could be something that could get very very, very ugly in the context of calling witnesses and just in the context of the overall impeachment inquiry process. Now, we hear a lot here, and obviously we're not in D.C., so you are the perfect person to ask. Uh, You know, there are, and I haven't heard a Democrat say this, Dave, so obviously this is just speculation, but are there real concerns with some Democrats that this could be political suicide, or is that really just talk from the right? Oh, no, it's not to talk from the right. This is a very, very key point uh, that a lot of Democrats worry about. I've talked to plenty of them on Capitol Hill, political consultants and whatnot, many who have felt all along, maybe a little bit less so today than before, but certainly throughout this year, that the best way to get Donald Trump out of office, if you are a Democrat, is at the ballot box in November of 2020. And that impeachment would be something that would be an obstacle to doing that. It would be a hindrance. It would be something that almost certainly, and still today, almost certainly will end in Donald Trump, if it goes to this point, getting uh, getting put on trial in the U.S. Senate and then getting acquitted. Because who controls the U.S. Senate? Well, Republicans do. What do you need in the U.S. Senate in order to get an impeachment conviction? Well, you need a two-thirds majority. So the numbers just simply aren't there. So really what you would need in order to, through an impeachment process, to get Donald Trump specifically out of office is you would need a number of Republicans who are active U.S. senators, many who are running for reelection, to flip on the president, to basically go against the president. And, hey, there may be one, there may be two at this point who could be a little bit on the fence, but, you know, you're not talking two dozen here, okay? You're not talking even 10 or 20. So as a result, uh, at least with knowing what we know right now, with all things being equal, Donald Trump almost certainly is not going to be removed. So to your point, Joe, what does that mean for Democrats? Well, it means that it could be a process that is many months long in the teeth of a political election when Democrats are going to be fighting against each other in the primaries and the caucuses of the Democratic presidential primary. And it's going to all result in Donald Trump still being president of the United States and being able to say, yeah, look. The whole process was a sham. I wasn't convicted. I'm still here. I need a second term. Uh, so that, that's really what the Democrats fear, or at least some Democrats fear, and, and why Nancy Pelosi even was very reluctant to impeach the president or go through an impeachment inquiry process leading up to a potential impeachment of the president because of the political particulars of, of all of that. You, you can't just ignore those political particulars. They are very real, and they are very much on the minds of many Democrats, especially those who would like to go and beat Donald Trump at the ballot box in, in 2020. Dave, I know I, I'm going a little over here. Is it okay if I have two more questions for you? Absolutely. All right. Um, speaking of the impeachment, there was the Russia investigation. Is that seen right now as a failure by Democrats, or are they still using that going into 2020? It, it could be something that uh, we'll be continuing to talk about retrospectively in terms of what happened in 2016. But the thing that a lot of people aren't talking about yet, because in a way it seems nebulous and still far away, is what the Russians might do in 2020. 
what the Chinese might do in, the, in 2020, what the Iranians might do in 2020. Uh, election meddling is very real. And we're just, <clears throat> pardon me, we're not talking about voter fraud or, you know, government IDs. We're talking about foreign entities that have malicious intent that want to screw with the U.S. political process. So regardless of whether you are a conservative or a liberal, Republican, a Democrat, an independent, this would be something of concern to all Americans if a foreign entity wants to try to delegitimize what what is, you know, as American as anything that we do, which is going and freely and fairly electing a president of the United States. So just focusing on the foreign aspect of it again, this is a very real threat. Members of Donald Trump's administration through and through and the security apparatus consider it to be that. And and I would just warn people to keep an eye on that very issue as to what happens and, you know, what what's going to happen potentially with uh, some foreign entities trying to, you know, do lots of different things, whether it's through influence campaigns, whether it's through political ads, Facebook ads, social media ads, or something that would be even more directly targeted at ballot boxes or, or uh, voter files or any of the many other aspects of what goes into electing leaders, president on down, all the way down to mayor, city council, dog catcher. And lastly, Dave, uh, Tuesday was mostly local elections, but we're hearing a lot of about Kentucky, the governor, uh, Virginia going all blue for the first time. Should we look too into these or take them for what they are, local elections? Yeah, I, I would say the latter, Joe. And, you know, I, I think because it's a year out and so much can happen, so much will happen that although Democrats in certain regards, especially in a state like Virginia, uh, which uh, definitely went very blue, uh, the results went very blue, Democrats are very heartened by that. Uh, they were also heartened by Matt Bevin. It seems is going to not be governor of the state of Kentucky anymore. But let's look at what's happening in Kentucky. It may seem like far away in local politics, but Mitch McConnell, uh, the senator from Kentucky, he's up for re-election next year. And I, I don't really think that Matt Bevin losing is going to speak to Mitch McConnell's winning or losing one way or another. Uh, these are localized elections. Uh, there is a lot of time between now and the next big election in 2020. So uh, be reluctant to read too much into it uh, one way or another because each election has to be run on its own merits. Each campaign has to be run on its own merits. And there are plenty of different kinds of politicians. Some Republicans did very well in Kentucky, for example, this time around. It was just a very uh, almost historically unpopular Republican governor who, again, it appears is going to lose that election, although it, uh, the, the final nail has not been put in that political coffin, so to speak. Dave, uh, Buffalo's own Dave Leventhal. Dave, thank you so much. And uh, Susan and Brian will talk to you on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it. Go Bills. All right, Dave, thank you so much. That is Dave Leventhal in D.C. setting up, well, everything D.C. It's nice to have Buffalo Zone right there in Washington, D.C. to give us an update on what's going on. Hey, when we come back, we'll have a half hour to go. I did this on Friday, but I want to open it up to you listening to Hardline right now. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. If you have a veteran you'd like to give a shout-out to, or just thank veterans in general and tell us why you are thankful for their service, give us a call, 803-0930. 
You can text the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board at 3930. We'll do that when we come back. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back hardline on news radio 930 wben the final stretch here on a Sunday, a game day Sunday. Appreciate you joining me. Um, my thanks to Kevin Hardwick for the first hour, Dave Leventhal for the first half of this hour. Uh, in this last segment, if you have a vet you would like to thank, give a shout out to, or just thank vets in general, tell us why you are thankful for their service. Uh, we will take those calls, 803-0930. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. Uh, had a, uh, a good hour doing that on Friday as well. Also, if you have a comment on the impeachment, uh, give me a call, 803-0930. Star 930, also the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board is open. Uh, I, I would like to start off by saying happy birthday to Buffalo's favorite vet, one of Buffalo's favorite vets. I mean, we love all the vets and thank them for the sacrifice they made and wearing the uniform. But happy birthday to David Bellavia today, uh, Medal of Honor recipient, co-host of Bowerly and Bellavia. So happy birthday, David. Hope it's going well wherever you are in this great United States of America. Now, Dave was on, Dave Leventhal was on last, uh, last half hour talking about the impeachment, what to look for, what witnesses might be called on ABC's This Week. They broke down what's going on, 
uh, some key witnesses that may be called. So let's dig into that just a little bit. Here are a few segments from this week on ABC with George Stephanopoulos, Terry Moran, and Martha Raddatz. William Taylor was the acting ambassador in Ukraine, and George Kent, a State Department official with responsibility over it. So you're going to get a picture from Kiev, from Ukraine, and from Washington from two men who were very alarmed about what was going on. And then at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the week, Marie Yovanovitch, who was the ambassador who was pushed out by Rudy Giuliani and others in the administration. A lot of election lawyers will tell you that the phone transcript does demonstrate that the president violated election law. Some election lawyers will tell you no, because it, it doesn't have a determinate monetary value. And that's a debate in election law. But really, this isn't about election law. It's about the Constitution. And the question, does the evidence show that the president abused his power by trying to get a foreign government to go after his political rival? You know, listening to that, I think it's very interesting. And again, this is my opinion. Um, if you have a differing opinion, 803-0930, I think it's interesting that two Democrats voted against having this impeachment inquiry, but on the Republican side, on a Republican party that we have seen divided before, they were 100% against the impeachment inquiry. Now, I don't know if that's telling. I don't know if like Kevin Hardwick said, that might have to do with their districts and facing re-election. Uh, but to me, as a uh, just a bystander staring at the television, listening here on WBEN, that to me was interesting to say the least, that you had two people on the Democrat side that said, no, I'm against this, I haven't. Uh, one guy, very outspoken from Atlantic City, the congressman from Atlantic City, he said, if Democrats want to get rid of the president, do so at the ballot box. You heard Dave Leventhal say there are people on Capitol Hill, Democrats, who are scared this could be political suicide. And they're saying the best way to get rid of President Trump is the ballot box. If you ask me this close to an election and you see this impeachment push, again, this is my opinion, I think it might be telling what the Democrats think of those running for president. I think they look at an Elizabeth Warren, and like Kevin Hardwick said, and, and I agree with Kevin, Elizabeth Warren cannot win the Michigan voters that voted for Trump, the Michigan Democrats that voted for Trump. If you put him against Elizabeth Warren, against Bernie Sanders, they will vote for Trump again. Same in Wisconsin. Same with independents in Ohio who went... Uh, very much so for Trump. And I think Democrats look at that and they say, we have to tarnish the president. We have to chip away at that solid base he has. And impeachment, I think, in their eyes are the only way to go. If not, why would you do so so close to a reelection? Let's go to John in Rochester. John, good morning. Hey, Joe. You know, the Democrats are now worried and I'll t about uh, repercussions from this backfiring. And I'll tell you why. One word, the media. The, the media is just out of their minds against Trump. Whatever They're going to play whatever role they can to get Trump out of office. Uh, and that's, that's, that's from, that was from day one. And uh, that's the biggest problem right now. Look at, look at this impeachment situation. Biden, they have him on tape. 
uh, talking about quid pro quo. It's it's unbelievable, and nothing is mentioned in in that light. And 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 some of the the so-called witnesses that have be, been brought out by uh, Schiff, uh, they are deep state Democrat activists. It's obvious as heck, and. Uh, this is unbelievable. So I don't think this is going to backfire on the Democrats because of the media. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, John, I want to think just like in 2016 that the people who voted for Trump in 2016 are smart enough to know the media obviously, for the most part, has a bias when it comes to this president. Um, they've they've they're still making the Russia investigation sound like it was a home run for Democrats. Obviously, no matter what happens with this, it will be, quote, damning, uh, according to Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper or Chris Cuomo over at CNN. Uh, But, you know, what else is telling, John? The attorney for the whistleblower said in 2017, CNN will help aid the impeachment against Donald Trump. Exactly. The media is out of control and... uh they're, they're our biggest enemy. But you bring up some good points, and hopefully there'll be a backlash. I want to give a tribute to a, a couple of friends of mine that served in Vietnam. Uh, one, one was killed in Vietnam in 1969, and another, my buddy, uh, Gary Bowler, was the, the fellow that was killed in Vietnam in 69. Another one of my close buddies, uh, Jimmy Coles, was severely wounded in Vietnam in 68, uh, uh, I think it was. And Anyways, my tribute to them and my dad, who served with the Marines in World War II in the Philippines. Well, thank you for their service, John, and your friend who gave the ultimate sacrifice. We can never repay them, and thank them for the awesome freedoms that we take for granted today. Okay, Joe. John, have a great week. That's John in Rochester, opening up a line for you at 803-0930. John brings up a good point. You know, I don't think... Um, I don't think we would be where we are today in this impeachment process if it wasn't for a majority of the media. You know, um, I think I, I think Democrats and the head of these these committees, they know whatever they say, CNN is going to run with it. CNN will run with that whatever Adam Schiff says. And they will ridicule whatever Jim Jordan says. We've seen it. They know it. And, you know, people can make fun of Fox News all they want, but they are really the only network that gives somewhat of the view from the other side. And John hit it. John was right. And I would take it further to say we wouldn't be having an impeachment inquiry starting Wednesday with the public hearings. That wouldn't be going on if it wasn't for the media literally taking everything the Democrats say is truth and discounting everything Republicans say. Again, that's my opinion. The beauty of a talk show uh, is you can call in if you think I'm wrong. And I know a lot of people that listen to this show think I'm wrong. And if you have a differing opinion, we'd love to hear it. 803-0930. Back to this week on ABC Terry Moran, Martha Raddatz, and George Stephanopoulos talking about what is coming up Wednesday. And if you heard my first hour on Friday, I talked about the ratings for the Clinton impeachment back in 98. It was the never-before-heard Fox News' 
best ratings day. MSNBC was referred to as the Monica all the time station because they went wall to wall. And I'd like to know from you on the text board, on the Orchard, the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, if you think this trial, and again, it's a hearing, uh, the impeachment inquiry will be viewed like the OJ trial, where everyone is going to be watching it, everyone's going to be talking about it. I don't think it'll get that severe. I don't think everyone is as into this as us who work in talk radio, for those who work in the media are going to be. Um, Like Dave Leventhal, he will probably be watching it wall to wall. Um, But what's your interest level? For me, I'd like to see what the heck has been going on the first two weeks of this, or the first two or three weeks of this, uh, in the basement of the Capitol. I'd love to know what is the, quote, evidence they claim to have against the president. And we will start seeing all of this. Uh, A few transcripts have been released, but we will start really seeing who these people are and what they bring to the table, what they think they heard. I didn't realize so many people were on a phone call. I mean, how many people overhear these phone calls with foreign countries? We might want to start limiting that number. I mean... That many people are listening when we're trying to make deals with other leaders? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's go to Jerry in Getzville. Jerry, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, you know, the other night I heard um, on the Savage uh, program uh, something that uh, it can um, rebut. Well, in addition to what John was just saying, uh, he compared something that happened in Lincoln's time where um, it, it, it might be a little extreme, you know, savage and everything, how uh, Lincoln shut down a, a newspaper that was getting a little over the line, more than a little, you know, to the point of uh, calling it sedition. And, you know, uh, he, he was saying shut down CNN all over the world. Uh, you know, uh, put them out of business. Uh, government can do that. Indict these uh, people that uh, are bringing up these uh, charges against Trump and say, look, what do you got? You don't got anything? You show me. Let's put up or, or and then put them in uh, jail if, if they uh, are fudging. You know, that's all. Well, Jerry, I agree that that would be a little extreme. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I, yeah, and maybe because it was civil war uh, that uh, was more imminent than what we have here now. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was an interesting point, though. I, well, Jerry, I would like to see someone hold the media accountable. Okay, like I've always said, I have no problem with Chris Hayes. Rachel Maddow, Lawrence O'Donnell, they are commentary shows. My problem with CNN and with network news is they te- they tell us they are journalists. They say this is news. Don Lemon's show is called CNN Newsroom. If you want to have commentary, just advertise them as commentary. You will never hear me attack Rachel Maddow for saying for what she's what she says 
on her commentary show. Now, I may make fun of it because I think it's crazy, but she doesn't advertise her show as news. It's commentary. And the media has become commentary. If they're just honest with us, I don't think we would have the gripe. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if they want to make comments, and if, if it's um, libel or, or it, it's eating away at the fabric of the country and, 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 uh, keep, and, and, and the politicians not doing their job they're elected for with other issues, uh, I don't know. You could, uh, they got to be accountable. Just haul them in. You know, you, you say this. Show me, you know, and uh, I've had enough of it. I'm just really ticked off with the, the whole thing. All right, Jerry, thanks for the call. That's Jerry in Getzville. Uh, might be a, a little extreme, but I am for holding the media accountable. Just, just tell us, hey, you know what? This is my, this, uh, this is my opinion, right? Uh, the guy from CNN, Acosta. I don't remember. Is it? Jeff Acosta, John Acosta, uh, uh, the White House guy from CNN, his last name's Acosta, his first name, you guys know who I'm talking about. He's the white, senior White House reporter. He wrote a book on how awful the president is. How about you just say, hey, our Democrat uh, reporter is outside the White House, or our Democrat activist, or our political analyst. But don't tell us he's your senior White House reporter. I expect real news to come from that guy. I don't expect opinion. And Jeff Acosta. Jim. Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta. I had the J right. Jim Acosta is giving his opinion. And again, again, Fox News has opinion shows starting at 5 o'clock. I have no problem with opinion shows. The station you're listening to. We have opinion shows with news at the top of the hour. We have news from 5 to 9 in the morning, and then we have opinion shows. And we tell you exactly what they are. It's an opinion show. But CNN is saying, here's Jim Acosta, our senior White House reporter. He's not. He's giving commentary. So just tell us. Just tell us, hey, here's some commentary. And I think that's where people's gripe is. You're allowed to have your opinion. Right? We give our opinions here all the time. I give my opinion every time I turn this mic on. But I never, I always assume, maybe I shouldn't assume, that you know I'm giving my opinion. No one calls me a reporter. No one calls Sandy, Tom, or Dave reporters. They're talk show hosts. And they're pretty damn good talk show hosts. But we don't sell what they're saying as anything more than commentary, unless obviously it's a breaking situation or a weather situation. But when it's politics, we are giving opinion. Jim Acosta gives his opinion, and they should start advertising it as such. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. This was a fun hard line to do. Thank you again to Kevin Hardwick for the first hour. Thank you to Dave Leventhal for the top of this hour in setting up the stage for impeachment uh, inquiry starting on Wednesday. Thank you to Corey Griswold for coming in two hours early. Always appreciated running the board and answering phone calls. 
Happy Veterans Day to all of the veterans out there. Thank you so much for the sacrifice you gave for putting your life on the line so we can have arguments about politics, about who's covering the White House, uh, and we can complain about how cold it is. Uh, Thanks to you. Thank you for giving us the amazing freedoms we have. Hey, we'll be back here tomorrow. Talk to you then. Meet the Press is next on News Radio 930 WBEN. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.